Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 98 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 2 Kings chapter 24 today, and our focus is on when judgment comes. Is judgment really coming? So, welcome to new listeners in Queensland, Australia, Jharkhand, India, Parts Unknown, Malaysia, London, England, South Bend, Indiana, and Macon, Georgia. This is a daily, roughly 10-minute podcast, give or take a couple of minutes, where we dig into the truth of God's Word one chapter a day and discuss it. Let's open with a thought-provoking comment from Where What Huh on our episode a couple of days ago about the perpetual virginity of Mary. He says, One doctrinal issue that creates this great divide is the concept of original sin. If we believe that sin is heritable, i.e. that a newborn baby is already contaminated with sin, then we must distinguish Jesus from sinful human parents on both sides. Thus Mary must be sinless also, and thus must herself have been miraculously immaculately conceived. Having been given a special dispensation of grace, she must logically then remain sinless and unsullied by merely human passions. Hence the doctrine of perpetual virginity. On the other hand, if we take the position that sin is not heritable, but rather a sinful nature is heritable, i.e. that a newborn is innocent but shall not long remain innocent, and at a certain age shall become accountable for those sins, however minor, then Mary need not be miraculously conceived, nor remain physically innocent after Jesus' birth. She, like us, would be a sinner saved by grace." The virgin birth of Jesus, then, is not to prevent him from inheriting sin, but rather to distinguish his conception from every other human conception and to establish that no man was his father. While I don't agree with the perpetual virginity of Mary, says where, what, huh? I don't have any rocks to throw at those who do. However, it is important to see that doctrines are not mishmash smorgasbord cafeterias where we pick and choose doctrines we like. Once we commit to a position on one issue... That drives, or at least informs, the remainder of our doctrine. We must think through our doctrines. Hey, that's good stuff and heavy stuff. Excellent thoughts, deep theological waters to swim through on that quote, old friend. Well, we read on this podcast five New Testament chapters a week and two Old Testament chapters a week to give us a total of 104 Old Testament chapters for the year. Now, we're going to read through the entire New Testament this year, But the Old Testament has 929 chapters, so our goal is not to read the whole Old Testament, but to get an overview of important events, teachings, and chapters in the Old Testament. That's what's going on today. We are reading about the exile, the Babylonian captivity, where the rest of the children of Israel are conquered and taken into captivity. This is the Babylonian exile. And then we're going to come back after we read the passage and discuss what it possibly could mean for us Christians living in different countries thousands of years later. Second Kings chapter 24, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked. Jehoiakim became his vessel for three years, and then he turned and rebelled against him. The Lord sent Chaldean, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Jehoiakim. He sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord had spoken through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, this happened to Judah at the Lord's command to remove them from his presence. It was because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done, and also because of all the innocent blood he had shed. 
He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord was not willing to forgive. The rest of the events of Jehoiakim's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Jehoiakim rested with his ancestors, and his son Jehoiachin became king in his place. Now the king of Egypt did not march out of his land again, for the king of Babylon took everything that had belonged to the king of Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushta, daughter of el She was from Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. At that time, the servants of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon marched up to Jerusalem, and the city came under siege. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it, King Jehoiachin of Judah, along with his mother, his servants, his commanders, and his officials, surrendered to the king of Babylon. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. He also carried off from there all the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king's palace, and he cut into pieces all the gold articles that King Solomon of Israel had made for the Lord's sanctuary, just as the Lord had predicted. He deported all Jerusalem and all the commanders and all the best soldiers, 10,000 captives, including all the craftsmen and metalsmiths, except for the poorest people of the land. No one remained. Nebuchadnezzar deported Jehoiachin to Babylon. He took the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The king of Babylon brought captive into Babylon all 7,000 of the best soldiers and 1,000 craftsmen and metalsmiths, all strong and fit for war. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna. Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. Because of the Lord's anger, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he finally banished them from his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Wow, (laughs) lot of bad kings in a row there, right? Yesterday we read about the bulk of the tribes of Israel going into captivity under the hand of the Assyrians, and today we see the remaining people going into captivity under the Babylonians, Two massive events in the history of the Hebrew people, after years, centuries really, of God warning his people through the prophets, judgment has come and it is horrifying. Now, why does God bring judgment? God brings judgment because he's just and justice must always reckon with and deal with sin. The better question might be, how can a holy and perfectly just God delay his judgment and justice for so long? Well, let's turn to Peter for an answer to that question. Second Peter 3, 8-9 says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So God is holy and just, and patient, and merciful. When he promises judgment, judgment will come. And this doesn't impinge in the least on his patience or mercy. The Israelites and Judeans were warned for hundreds of years that judgment would be coming, but they scoffed and they ignored that, and the consequences were terrible. Peter warns that the people living in the days before the return of Jesus will behave similarly. Second Peter again, 3, 3-7. through seven. Above all, be aware of this, says Peter, 
Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own desires, saying, Where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlooked this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Scoffers will come. And they will believe that it has been too long since the first coming of Jesus and his return. And they will believe that means he's not going to come back. And thus, they feel like they're free to do what they want. But Revelation chapter 20 tells us that just like a judgment finally came for Israel and Judea, a judgment is going to come for all the world. And this is how the world is going to end. Revelation 20 verse 11 through 14, John says, I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire, and anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. In my childhood, hellfire and brimstone preachers were still kind of popular, maybe the tail end of their era. These were preachers who would pound their Bible and shout and holler and talk a lot about hell, and honestly, they would seek to scare people. Now, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, but today's passage and today's scripture remind us of the stark reality of hell and judgment and God's holiness and it is good for us to have a sobering reminder all of this all of us of those truths now I'll close today in the same place we did yesterday with Hebrews 12:28 and 29 therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. One more thing. Let's close with our Bible verse of the month for April, James 4, 6. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Friends, may the Lord pour his grace out on us, and may we live in light of the judgment to come, and the holy God that will bring it. Good day to you, and Godspeed.